I want you to get in your Bible and I want you to go to the book of Joel with me, to one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. I had some from very familiar passage of scripture that I believe that you're going to hear, that you're going to be very familiar with. And we're going to talk this morning. This is the title of my message. I'm going to speak to you very prophetically, I believe, of what uh, something that I believe that the Lord is saying and what God is doing and something that we got we to gotta see. And I'm going to declare to this house like I have for a year, God is moving right here. Now, I don't think you believe that. But I want you to know that God is moving right here. Even if you don't believe it, say it with me. God is moving right here. Now, I had a question asked of me over the last couple of weeks, especially since uh, the outpouring at Wilmore University and, and then the Jesus Revolution movie. How many got to see that, by the way? If you haven't, I encourage you to go see it. Powerful movie. Me and Diane got to see it last week in Pensacola. And uh, just like here at theaters, the first night we went, all the showings that night were sold out. And somebody asked me how I felt about all that. How do I feel about the, uh, how do I feel about the revival at Wilmore University? How do I feel about the Jesus revolution? I guess the question they were really asking me is, is this revival? And here's my response, and please hear me, because I believe we're in a day where everybody's an expert on revival just because of social media. If we have a good service, man, we had revival this morning. Or if God did something out of the ordinary, man, we're in revival. And I don't know that that's what revival is at all. I did say it like this, and this is my answer to them. I don't know, but I do know this. I believe God is moving in our land. I believe with all of my heart, God is moving. I've been declaring to you for some time, revival is here. We've been declaring to you that awakening is here before us. But is this really, maybe the moment that we're looking for, that encounter, whatever, is it really revival or are we missing something? I want to say this to everybody in the house, and I've got no agenda. I'm not going after anybody. I'm not attacking anybody's ministry. I've learned I'm going to leave things alone, and I'm going to let God deal with them. All I know is what God is speaking to me and about this house. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, I, I said something like this. If I believe that God is always moving somewhere else, I can always be pursuing, but never obtaining really what he has for me that is laying right under my nose. I've come to this determination in me. I, it's almost like I don't feel to run and chase after everything right now because I believe God is doing something right here. I believe it's greater. I believe it's bigger. I believe it's stronger than anything that you and I have ever seen. 
And it's laying right here with us. A few weeks ago, during the month of January, when we took our Wednesday nights and we were in prayer, it was the last Wednesday night that I had us pray. And we prayed for family, I believe it was. And I think we prayed for the church. And I think we prayed for the government, if I, if I remember right, local government and such as that. And I thought, Lord, these are some strange prayer targets. They're really, they're really not. But I just thought, God, is this really what you're doing? And on my way, home, I felt like the Lord gave me a definition of what revival is. And revival, this is what he put in my heart. Revival is everything functioning the way God designed it when he created it or established it. That's when revival is on. And if we're not careful, I'm going to miss the encounter thinking I have revival because I love the encounter not realizing that I'm going to live out what the encounter was all about. Is it revival? Is what is happening now? Please hear my heart. With the movie, I find this very interesting. I find it very interesting that he first starts moving among a bunch of young people in a, in a college, in a, in a, is it Methodist College Foundation, right? At Wilmore, that all of a sudden he's moving there and now a movie comes out that's really not about the young people, but it's about the church and how the church responds to something that, they, that is not in their norm. Matter of fact, I had to, when we watched the movie, it took me back to my kid days in Paducah because I saw that very movie worked out in a church in Paducah. Because when the pastor brought in a group called Psalms 23, a bunch of hippies that loved God, that were passionate about them. It was totally foreign to all the, you, you know, the religious people that were in the church or everybody that knew, you know, how we'd done church then. Those guys come in. They wanted to sit on the floor. They didn't look like everybody else. They didn't like, they were full of zeal, full of fire and everything else. But you would think the church would have jumped on board with it, but instead the church rejected it. Matter of fact, that pastor had to exit just a short time later because the church couldn't embrace what God was sending their way. And can I declare to you that I believe, would I really believe that God is saying something to the whole world? Because this movement, through the means of, of media, through the means now of, of, of theater, I, I saw a post the other day, because it has been so well attended at the theater, hundreds more of theaters is opening up to the movie. Not only is it nationally, but now it's beginning to make its way internationally. And I believe God is saying something. I'm giving you a sign and I'm declaring to you that I am moving in the earth. Hello. He's moving. He's moving everywhere. He's moving right here. All right, I'm going to try to prove something to you this morning. And if I can't prove it, I'm just going to give you the scripture and you're going to have to take it from there as the Lord give it to me. I want you to go to the book of Joel chapter 2. You know this passage real well. He said, in, he said after this, Joel chapter 2, I got to find it myself. Verse 28, he said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. 
Your old, your, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now we understand of the way I've been taught all my life that that really was fulfilled in the book of Acts or was the beginning of it because that's what Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost after they come out of the upper room and all these people are mocking them and Peter said, wait a minute, these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now let's put everything back in context and perspective. The nation had sinned against God. The nation had become so vile. As you read through the Old Testament, you see the nation of Israel, God's covenant chosen people, that God had made promises to them. I'll, be, I'll defend you. I'll protect you. I'll, do, I'll provide for you. You will not want anything as long as you trust me, as long as you will let me be your God and keep the idols and keep the images and keep everything out. I will, I will greatly defend you and I will honor you as my people above all the people of the earth. But if you read through the Old Testament, you see where Israel would fail time after time after time. And when they would fail, God's grace was greater because he made a covenant. He would raise up a deliverer. He would raise up a king. He would raise up a judge that would defend the people to turn their hearts back to him. And as soon as they would, another king would come and, and this king would, would do, would do uh, you, you know, sinful things as well and lead the whole nation. So evidently, in the, course of, in the course of the book of Joel, judgment was upon the land. And here come these swarming locusts. Here comes the locust, the caterpillar, the canker worm. I think there were four of them altogether. Don't have time to hit every one of them. And that's not where I want to go. But this is what they did. The Bible said they filled the sky. They looked like clouds. And they come in and literally devoured the land. Nothing was left. Everything was wiped out that belonged to the people of God. Now there's no food for the people. There's no food for their animals. Everything now is under the judgment hand of the Lord. But then God stirs the prophet and he said, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. We used to sing that song. Do y'all remember the early days of, charis of the charismatic? Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Blow the trumpet in Zion. You know it. And what he was saying there, he said, I'm going to come. There's going to be a moment come. He said that I'm going to overthrow what the enemy has done and I'm going to restore back to my people. So in this passage, in, a, in this passage or this book of Joel, and I would encourage you to go read it, there are two trumpets being blown. There were two trumpets for the people of God that God had Moses make. One of them would be a sound that would say, we're in a sound of war. 
The other trumpet sound would be a sound that would gather the people. And there's two trumpets. So the first one, God makes a strong sound with the trumpet. We've heard that. There's been two prophetic cries, believe it or not, in the land. And if we're not careful, we're mixing them up. But yet they work hand in hand. And the first the first trumpet sound that you've heard most of the prophets say, I'm going to turn this nation back to what I intended it to be. It's been about the political front. It's been about where we stand as a nation of righteousness leading our nation again. But then there's another trumpet sound in the midst of it. It's the prophetic voices that are sounding that God said, I'm going to bring revival. I'm going to bring restoration back to my people. So Joel called the people together. As the sound came, the people came. He said, let's come and we're going to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. We're going to come back and we're going to repent. Are you guys okay this morning? He said, we're going to come back and we're going to repent because God is going to restore and God is going to, by the same time, in the same move of God, God said, I'm going to restore my people back to what I intended them to be and I'm going to overthrow the darkness in the land and I'm going to put my righteous rulers in position. He said, I'm going to do this. It was being prophesied. It was being spoke. He said in verse 18 of chapter 2, he said, the Lord is going to be jealous for his land. I, I want you to know, every one of you, that God's hand is not just upon America, but God's hand is upon the nations of the earth. God said, the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. And God said, I'm going to be jealous for the land. I'm going to pity my people. And the Lord is going to answer and say to his people, behold, I send you grain. I'm sending you new wine and I'm going to send you oil and you will be satisfied by them. And I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. When God said, I'm sending you wine, I'm sending you new oil, and I'm sending you grain, he said, I'm sending, you, I'm sending to you that which will sustain and give you the life that I've always intended for you to walk in. Then he goes on and he said, fear not, O land. He said, fear not, be glad, rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. I believe not only has God done marvelous things, I believe God is doing great things. I believe he's up to it right now. And he's saying, I have given you the former rain faithfully, and he's going to cause to come down for you the former and the latter rain in its months. He said, I'm going to send the rain that is needed for the plowing and the sowing but I'm also going to send the rain that's going to cause it to grow. And he said that you're going to be able to harvest it. I believe both of these are coming so fast in this hour that the sower and the reaper are in each other's way. The sower is planting and the reaper's coming along and he's gathering it faster than the sowers can put it in the ground. God is moving. He said, I'm giving you the rain. He said, I'm going to cause your threshing floors to be full of wheat. Your vats are going to overflow with new wine and oil. And I'm going to restore to you the years 
I'm going to restore the years. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to restore the years that all of these locusts have come and eaten. God said, I'm going to do such a strong work, such a quick work. You're not even going to know it's even happening because you're going to be right in the middle of it. I'm going to restore it to you. You got to understand when he's speaking this, it don't look that way. You got to understand his statement. The future's been wiped out because their, their future seed has been, has been devoured. Everything that they would have need of for a future has been wiped out. And I believe that's why the prophet came and he began to speak something like, like this, like I quoted before. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. In other words, your future is a lot better than it looks right now. I'm telling you, I don't care what's going on in the White House. I don't care what you've lost financially. God said your future for your children, for the next generation, they're going to declare the great things of God. I'm telling you, he's moving right now. He's moving you and I are just looking for certain things, but he's moving in spite. The word restore. I've got to give you a few definitions, and I've got to do this fast. The word restore means to put back in God's image of how it was made. Let me say that to you again. To put back into God's image of how it's been made. Some of you, you've let sin and you've let the things of the world so scar you and so mark you and distort who you are, what you think, how you feel, how you see, and even how other people will look upon you. But God said in his outpouring, I'm going to restore you back to the image, to the look, to the outlook, to the feeling, to the thinking, to the way of living, to the image that I've desired of you. It also means to turn back. It means to return. It means to restore. To join with God. Listen to this. To join with God in repairing broken lives and, and, and buildings and lands and relationships and even nations and even communities. God said, I will restore what is broken. So how's he going to do it? He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit. The word pour out there means I'm going to spill forth. I'm going to spill forth. I wish I had a glass of water. Do I got to, I got to, give me a bottle of water real quick down there. Just throw it at me. I think I can catch it. I was watching him play football. So I know how to catch. But God said, God said, I'm going to drink first. <laughs> Carla, this will dry. But God said, I'm going to pour forth of my spirit. I got news for you. In this is life. In this is everything you have need of. You think it's being held up into the heavens and you're waiting upon God. And God said, in the last days, in the days that we're in, I am pouring out. I'm pouring out my spirit, not just upon a few, not upon a certain city, not upon a certain tribe. I'm pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm pouring out on young. I'm pouring out on old. I'm pouring out on broken, despised, disgraced. God said, I'm pouring out on them. 
I'm pouring it out. And God said, listen, God said, my spirit. Listen, it's just not some religious activity. That word spirit there is the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 2 when God formed man from the dust of the earth and God breathed into him or God breathed him and man became a living spirit. He was no longer a dust bag. He was no longer a piece of muddy clay. He was no longer just a part of this earth. But when the breath of God entered him, he stood up as a spirit being. He stood up as a child and a son of God to where nobody the creation didn't know if it was God or him because he was like the one that created him so God said God said I'm pouring out that same you want to know what's happening in Asbury God said I'm breathing into the earth Everybody, let's run to Asbury. Let's get there. Let's feel that little community. They can't even contain us. So I can't get in the room. So I must not be in the place where the breath of God is. But God was saying this in the heartland of the United States. I am breathing upon the nation again. I'm pouring out my spirit upon anybody that will believe and receive what I'm up to. I'm telling you, God isn't cheap. God isn't going to leave me out of this thing, and he's not leaving you out. Come on. He's not leaving us out. We're right in the middle of it, but we're acting like it's not here. And if I could just get there, or if I could go do what they're doing right as soon as it happened, and I'm not taking anything, making light of anything. I know this Tuesday night, my dear friend, Pastor Tim Lee, his young people at 6 o'clock, I believe it is, on the terraces of SEMO University, they're going there for a worship and prayer gathering. And if you want to go be a part of that, go jump in the middle of it and be a part and be supportive. But I got news for you. If we don't do that, it doesn't mean that God isn't pouring out his spirit. He's just letting us know, I'm pouring out. See, I had a pastor say, everybody got on Facebook, said, you know what? We need to open our churches up for prayer and worship. I can't even get you to do it on Sunday morning. What makes you think you'll do it on a special night? Hello, sorry. Didn't mean to sandpaper you for a minute. But see, something happened. But we, we just got into the same thing. If we do what they did, God's doing it. And I believe it was more than that. I believe God was just showing, I'm pouring out in the nation. I'm pouring out in the earth. I'm pouring out for those that will believe. So he said, I'm breathing in you again. I'm breathing the church again. Nothing said that Adam got up and run the aisles. Nothing said that Adam got up and began to shout. Nothing said that Adam fell out in the spirit after God breathed on him. He was already out. But what did he do? He got up and started living. He started entering to real life. He started doing the things he was created to do. He started living in the dimension of heaven that he was made to live in, that he would have an impact that would affect everything around him, that all he would have to say is, hey, giraffe, come here. I got to talk to you a minute. And the giraffe would look at him and he would communicate. I'm confident of that. 
He would speak to the earth that was barren as he would plant a seed. He'd say, okay, you're blessed. I believe before the next day, crops were already coming up supernaturally because it was in him. He started truly living. Kind of the same thing happened in the book of Acts. We never think about that. Oh, I'd love to have been in that upper room. That's what everybody wants to do. But only 120 could get in there. Man, we're in trouble. And after all, that happened several thousand years ago. So I must be left out of that because I didn't get into the room. But God said they gathered in an upper room. Why? Because God said, go and tarry. Because I'm going to pour out. I'm going to spill myself into the earth again. I'm going to breath the earth. And the first thing that God did, he sent a wind. That began to fill the place. The breath of God began to fill the land. And the church began to believe. And the church began to move in what God said. Joel said, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. You know, I got looking at, we get, we get real excited about this. And pastor, we'll have coffee this week and me and you'll dissect this more and, and you can help me and I can help you. And maybe we can really see the real revelation of everything here. But I've been reading through the Old Testament. I've, I've come across a number of places that said there was the school of the prophets and the Bible said they were prophesying, but it didn't tell me what they were doing. It didn't tell me one thing they were saying. Some of you didn't know what was happening earlier. Donnie over here, Brother Donnie gave a, a message in tongues, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to know what the crazy lady did that came up and stood here and began to speak, sorry, Miss June. Sometimes that's how people think about us. She was bringing the interpretation, another, another part of the gifts. But there's also prophecy and there's those things that go, go along with this. But what were those schools of the prophets prophesying? I, I tried to find out. Matter of fact, when King Saul was anointed to be king, he, he went and joined himself. And this is what the word said. He began to prophesy. Nothing tells us that he got a microphone. He stood on a corner and he said, come here. I got a word for you. I want to tell you what God is saying. But they were prophesying. What were they doing? I believe with all my heart, there's only one thing they could have been doing. They were declaring the wonderful works of Jesus. They were declaring the wonderful works of the Lord. He said, they begin to prophesy. Life had come back in. Now, he said, your sons and daughters are going to live. They're going to have a hope of a future. No wonder Jeremiah is so great for a generation. I know my thoughts towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. That he said, your old men are going to dream dreams and your young men are going to have vision. I know we make jokes of that. You know, as we get older, at least we're dreaming. Young men are having. No, I believe it's about our life because what do we do in those stages? Remember, everything has been annihilated. It's not been restored yet. But God gives a promise that I'm going to cause you to dream. I'm going to cause you to have visions of a future that is beyond anything that you can imagine come on many of us have quit dreaming many of us have quit having visions because you've let this world so creep into the inside of you and it's convinced you that God is doing nothing 
But he said, your sons and daughters and upon my handmaidens and servants, am I going to pour out my spirit? He said, nobody's exempt from this. You have to understand something. We're talking a cultural thing here because women wasn't even identified much among the men. If they were counted, the women weren't counted, not even the children. The only ones would get counted would have been the men. So God said, I don't care what your culture says. I'm going to pour out upon everyone. You're going to encounter my breath once again, and I'm going to send the rain, that which is needed to produce, sustain, and bring forth that which God intends for a life. He said, I'm going to give you new wine. He said, I'm going to bring new wine. It speaks of a Holy Spirit. It speaks of renewed love and intimacy and fellowship with God. It talks about us having joy even in the midst of the trial. God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to bring a new level of intimacy. He said, I'm going to give you oil, that, that which marks you and sets you apart. It speaks of the anointing. It speaks of the power of God to do what we can't do in ourselves. And he said, I'm going to give you wheat and grain. Your barns are going to be filled. I believe it speaks of the harvest. But the desire or the abiding, uh, listen, the, the, the abiding energy to do good, especially towards others. Especially towards, listen, you can't even love the world without the, without the power of the Holy Ghost in you. You can't even do it right. Now let me land this jet real quick. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. I've touched it just a little bit. But let me go there. I'm telling you, God is moving. Look at your neighbor and say, God is moving right here. He's moving right here. There's miracles right now. There's healing right now. There's deliverance right now. There's answers in this room right now. I'm not trying to pump you up. I'm telling you what God is saying. It's right here. Oh, if I could just get so-and-so here. Well, what if so-and-so can't arrive? If I could just get in that meeting. Well, what if you can't get there? And some of it, it's not desire. It's not desire. You can't get off work. You can't leave your kids. You can't leave your husband, your wife. You can't just run everywhere. You mean God's going to leave us out because he's got one place that he's doing something? No. But I believe that we've missed something. And we have missed the sign and called it revival. And it was nothing but a sign to say, I'm moving. We've all wanted signs and wonders, right? What does a sign do? It points me to something. It tells me something's here. We redone our sign out front to let people know who we are, to let people know what is here. In a few moments, we're all going to go to a restaurant. We've ate there so many times, we don't have to have a sign. But if I didn't know what is there, I've got to have something tell me what is there. Because if there's no sign, how do I know? What do I draw from? But I believe we've mistaken a sign and said, that's it. And we got excited about the sign. Let me prove something to you. Remember the last thing that Jesus said. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. 
Actually, the last, one of the last things he told them was, he said, I, I'm calling you. I'm going to empower you to go reach the world. And, and you're going to go and you're going to do my works. And, and the whole world is going to be changed by you. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And so they all go to Jerusalem and they're praying. And the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now we know that we that are Pentecostal know that Pentecost means 50. It's also the day that we would acknowledge that we are spirit-filled. But before Holy Ghost was ever poured out, it was a feast. It was a day, and it was the feast of first fruits of the harvest. Isn't it interesting? It's the first fruits of the harvest. So they've gathered here for feast, and the Bible said that all the nations of the world, read it, I don't have time every verse, that the nations of the world had come. At that time, I've been told that there were 70 nations represented in Jerusalem at this time of outpouring. All the nations, devout men. In other words, there was nobody. When these guys spoke, everybody believed it. But you have to understand something again in culture. If you want to get to the whole family, you got to first go to the Father. Or you got to go through the head of the tribe because if they didn't receive it, nobody else did. That's why some of you better start acting different because the family isn't going to get there unless you're the doorway. Because they're watching you to say yes or no. That's another message for another time. So they've gathered there and the, the Bible said, and the day of Pentecost was fully come. The hour when the sacrifices, everything was being offered. It, it was here. It's come. And they were all in one place and one accord. Now watch what happened. And suddenly a sound from heaven came like the Bible said as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all that were setting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem all of these Jews from under heaven. And this sound began to ring out. And they make their way towards that upper room. What is this? What is the sound in the city? What is the sound going on? It's being heard. God doesn't have to send necessarily a wind like that today because you haven't heard the sound. There's been a sound going out from day one. It's been on our phones. It's been on social media. Everywhere you go, everybody's posting. Man, it's happening. Revival is in the land. Revival's at Wilmore. God is pouring out. He's pouring out in Texas. He's pouring out in Michigan. He's pouring out in California. He's pouring out in Tennessee. He's pour and it goes quicker than ever we thought. In a moment's time, the whole world is hearing the sound. Remember, it came as a rushing mighty wind. And then there were cloven tongues like as a fire. And they weren't being consumed. What was happening? What was happening? A fresh passion. What is fire? It's energy. What is fire? It's passion. A fresh passion began to get upon people. Man, it didn't take but one afternoon 
for somebody to get the word out that revival is in Wilmore, Kentucky, that everybody under the sun, I got to go. I got to go. Let's get a hotel. Let's go. 20,000 people in the last weekend till they had to shut down the city because we can't get people in. Why were they there? What moved them? Because passion and energy was upon them. And everybody's talking about it. God, give us that passion in Christ, church. You'll talk about it everywhere else. You'll talk about it everywhere else, but right where you are. Because I'm looking for the sign instead of looking for what God is doing through the sign. Because I got news for you. They came out and they're speaking in tongues. And all these people had gathered like you had gathered here in this room. And they're looking at these people because they're saying stuff like this, Larry. How is it that we hear all of these people speaking in our own language? How is it? And what were they saying? We hear them talking the wonderful things of God. God's moving. They were telling, I, I wish I could have heard. I wish I could have had that conversation. The Bible doesn't give it to us, but it just says they're talking the wonderful things of Jesus. They're not talking what CNN is doing. They're not talking what the procrastinators and all of those unbelievers and doubters and all of, they're talking the wonderful things of God. But you have to understand, not everybody believed. Some thought they were mocking. Some were mocking them, and some thought they were drunk. They were drinking. And Peter stands up and he says, hey, stop. They're not drunk. Seeing this is but just the, so early in the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. God has poured out his spirit. But they're no longer in the upper room. And nowhere do I find in the Bible that there was another upper room encounter quite like that one. Now, there were other encounters, but there was never another sound and never was there another place where fire set upon them. Why? It's in the earth. It's here. It's in the ground. It's in the land. It's here. And they're looking. Peter said, this is that. They're not drunk. I was reminded when I was reading Old Testament again. Hannah, that was barren, wanted a child. And she was so desperate that she was pleading before God at the temple. And Eli, the priest, saw her. Because she's sitting there. He's not hearing anything, but he's watching her move her mouth. And he calls her, thinks she's drunk. And she said, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm not, I've not been drinking. I just have a desire for a child. And I'm asking God. And if God gives me a prophet, or if God gives me a son, I'm going to give him his prophet, and he can serve him all the days of his life. And Peter comes out, and he says, we're not drunk. But we're so passionate about what has just happened to us. 
And then he begins to preach. May I tell you, he didn't preach signs and wonders. May I tell you, he didn't preach deliverance. May I tell you, he didn't even preach prosperity. May I tell you what his message was? This Jesus. This Jesus. This Jesus. This Jesus whom you crucified. This same Jesus. This same Jesus has come and give his life so that you could live and live abundantly. Isn't it interesting that the title of the movie is called Jesus Revolution? You want to know what that means? An overthrow of government or a social order in favor of a brand new system. Wow. Isn't it interesting that God is bringing the attention of his people back to him? Just to Jesus. That's why we have made him the center point of this church. That it is absolutely all about Jesus. I believe in miracles. I believe in deliverance. I believe in prosperity. We're going to see them. But it's not us that does it. It's the Jesus on the inside of us. And where Jesus is. When we make everything about Jesus. Years ago a song. See, life just really goes in cycles. 25, 30 years ago, we used to sing a song. As team, come on back. We used to sing a song like this. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. Lord, for the things I've made it. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. So Peter preaches this message. And they're pricked to their hearts. They're pricked. When it means pricked, it stuck them. I, sir, I read many posts from many of you and other people. When you went to the movie. I don't know about you, but I cried in several different places. That's bad to be a guy crying in a movie. But it touched my heart. But I heard people say something like this. It messed me up. It messed me up. It left me undone. I know that can be language. But my question with that, Miss Denise, is what did it do to you? What did it do to you? And why did it touch you that way? Was God dealing with who you are? Was he showing you yourself through that video? The, the pastor, Kelsey Kramer, I believe is his name, has been so moved and so touched by the power of God. The dude can't even give an interview without the presence of Jesus overtaking him. That he weeps to it because of what Jesus has done in his own life. And some mocked and some walked away. But there were those that said, what must we do? What must we do? What must we do? Because Jesus is moving. He's in the land. And Peter said, 
we repent. We turn our face towards God. That's one of the things. We have a change of mind. We turn our face towards Jesus. We acknowledge we've been doing our thing. We've been walking our way. I believe it's so important in repentance that we do acknowledge, hey, I've not been living right. I'm not living the way God wants me to live. He said, repent. And here's the second thing. You receive. Boy, it's so easy, isn't it? But why is it so hard to as many as receive him to them gave me power to become the sons of God all I know church is this God is moving he's poured out his spirit in the earth and I hope nobody misunderstands anything I'm saying I believe in meetings I go but I'm done chasing I, I, I am I'm, I'm done This is the place you've planted me, God. This is the place you've given me. I'm not saying I'm not going to go to a meeting. I probably will to many of them. But if I keep looking, he's over there, but not here. But I'm telling you, he's right here. Right now, in this room, this period. He's He's right here. 